girls. I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Christina, I have a question for you. What is your question? When you watch TV shows now, do you get startled when you see people on, like, busy streets not wearing masks and being really close to one another? Because that's something that I've been feeling these days. Uh, I didn't even think about that. I watch this show, being in New York, and I'm just like, they need to be wearing masks. They're standing too close to each other. There are too many people around. Everybody's too tight. Too tight. Face <laughs> it out. I think I'm just paranoid at this point. We can sing the paranoia song if you want. Which one is that? (laughs) The one I made up. (laughs) That song is very applicable for this television program, so please, do do go for it. Let me see if I remember it. Paranoia, paranoia, I suffer from paranoia, and it's gonna get you too. That's it. Huh. Because that's how you feel when you're paranoid. You turn the corner and you're like, huh. What's there? Well, that's a perfect segue into the show we are doing today, which is The Morning Show, where everyone suffers from crippling paranoia. Not the afternoon show. No, not the late, late show. Not the early evening show. Not the, the brunch show. <laughs> the morning show. So. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. And we are actually doing TV today as opposed to a movie. Everything we do is on TV, though. That is true. But this is the first we've never done anything on Apple TV. Yes. You were asking me this. Is it Apple TV or Apple TV Plus? Listen, between the HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Later, HBO Two Weeks From Now. (laughs) So many HBOs, for some reason, (laughs) Christine and I could not figure out if it was Apple TV or Apple TV Plus. HBO Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a difference? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, so I was surprised to get the one week free trial, which we did. And then it's only $4.99 a month. This isn't a plug, but I was surprised. I thought, you know, because the phones are like $1,000. Yes. Plus the firstborn. So I thought that this would be like more money. <laughs> yeah, it's only $5. I mean, Apple, Apple's gotten a lot more money out of me than just $5. So what's $5? Now, I'm interested in the awards because this was in the Golden Globes. We obviously don't have the Emmys quite yet. But this came out in 2019, so was it at the Emmys last year? No, it was the- not. Okay. I did not see okay. any Emmy nominations, but it was nominated for some Golden Globes. It was nominated for Best TV Series, a drama, not a comedy. <laughs> we have both Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon were nominated for Best Actress in a TV Series Drama. I know we don't typically talk about the SAG Awards, but I did want to mention that Jennifer Aniston won Best Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama Series, and Steve Carell and Billy Crudup were nominated for Best Male Actor in a Drama Series. Man, Steve Carell. (laughs) We will get into the text messages Christina was sending me and how I couldn't respond to them, and I really wanted to, but we're all going to save it for this podcast. All right, let's get into the recap. So, 
The morning show is America's most beloved and top-rated morning news show at this point in time. Mitch Kessler and Alex Levy, Levy? Levy. Levy. Are America's favorite on-screen family, but Mitch has some secrets that have leaked to the New York Times. Dun, dun, dun. Being seen as a sexual predator has lost him his marriage, his job, his way of life, and his relationship with his on-screen partner of 15 years, along with the network that he has been so devoted to. But as we see more light shined on these allegations, we see firsthand how it's impacting the network family, quote unquote. Furthermore, what will happen when two white female co-anchors take control of their platform to expose all the dirty details with, included with their network and the Me Too movement? Only season two will tell us more. Do they have a season two confirmed? I think they have. Well, you know what? Everything is delayed now. But as yes. far as I know, I saw some stuff for a season two. According to Town and Country magazine. <laughs> of all the, the magazines. Top, Google like, hey, Christina, based on your searches, this is what you'll like. Town and also country. Aside from the fact that I live in a country, I hate everything else about the word country. The music, the scenery, no. You are polarizing us from an audience there. I'm so sorry. We love all of our country listeners. I just, I'm not, I'm not crazy about country music. It's okay. We're all allowed to have our opinions. So sorry. The morning show had a two season order from its inception. Producers are already at work on 10 new episodes. That was posted January 26, 2020 from townandcountrymagazine.com. But that was posted pre-COVID-19. So everything's been delayed. I haven't, there's nothing said that says it got canceled, I don't think. So maybe it's just delayed. Yeah, there's probably a second season in the mix, which as we get into the ending, it should be interesting how they deal with the fallout. But before we do that, let's get into the characters. We have Alex Levy played by Jennifer Aniston. She's the lead anchor of the morning show, who is one of the most well-known people in America. She is what we imagine the celebrity life to be. She is a diva, but is well-respected for her years of journalism. Her world comes tumbling down when her co-host, Mitch Kessler, Steve Carell, is fired for sexual misconduct. These two are a team, America's mom and dad, and Levy struggles without Mitch because he knew her and he knew her emotions and how to calm her down on air. Enter Bradley Jackson, played by Reese Witherspoon. Bradley is young, headstrong, a loose cannon who gets her uh, break due to a spat on location that gained her a Twitter following. She catches the eye of Corey Ellison, played by Billy Crudup. He's a TV exec who is in charge of the entertainment division. He is new to the job and likes Bradley because she's not afraid to shake things up, speak her mind, reminds him of his mom, question mark, and attracts a new younger audience to the morning show. We have Chip Black, played by Mark Duplass, who is the executive producer of the morning show and is literally the glue holding the show together. A very caffeinated and overworked glue, but glue nonetheless. Then we have Fred, played by Tom Irwin. He's the big boss, the head honcho of UBA. And we find out that he's the top of the pyramid that everyone wants to crumble. We'll get into that with the climax. We have Hannah Schoenfield, played by Gugu Mabata-Ra. She's the head booker of the morning show. And we find out she is a victim of Mitch Kessler. Mitch did not consider her a victim. He considered her an affair who leveraged herself into her career. And we'll get more into that during the climax. 
There is also Mia Jordan, played by Karen Pittman. She's a producer on the show who slept with Mitch, and she wants people to stop freaking judging her. Great monologue by her. Honorable mentions, we have Claire Conway, played by Belle Powley, who is in a relationship with the weatherman, Yanko Flores, played by Nestor Carbonell. And then we also have our two other reporters. We have Daniel Henderson, played by Deshaun Terry, and Allison Namazi, played by Janina Govankar. Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. We got some nice, like, Mariska Hardigay, Hardigay was in there, and uh, Mindy Kaling hopped in as well. Mindy Kaling. All right, so I'm going to... Martin Short? Oh, Mar- and Martin Short. Let's not forget about Martin Short, who I accidentally called Dana Carvey while I was talking oh, to Nick about this. Completely Martin missed Harvey. up those two. Oh, my goodness. They are not the same. I don't know why my mind associated both of them together. I'm very sorry. Should, shouldn't have told you guys that, but I did. So I'm really open with you guys. We right. forgive you for misjudging <laughs> two white men in comedy. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's get into this climax. This show is like everyone has a bomb strapped to them and their finger is on the detonator and everyone's like ready to push the button. That's all I thought about when watching the show. Episode nine, we get our teams and we get our plans of what's going to happen. We have team take down Fred. We have Mitch Kessler If he's going down, Fred is coming down with him. He gets in touch with Bradley about doing an interview and claims he has a person to corroborate a story. Bradley, she she brings this information to Alex and Alex flips. Alex knows how this will destroy the show that she's been working on for 15 years. Because of this reaction, Bradley turns to Corey. Corey, he's a hard character to read, but accepts Bradley's possibility of interviewing Mitch because he sees the advantage of the morning show having that interview as opposed to their competitors. Also, it could give him the opportunity to take Fred's job. This is something that Corey has discussed before with Chip. Chip knows that his butt is on the chopping block. There's an internal investigation going on. And he knows that he's about to get axed, so he wants to align himself with Corey to save his job and save the show. We have Team Pro Fred. Once Bradley tells Alex, she goes to Fred and tells him about the possible interview, and they concoct a plan to oust Bradley, fire Chip, and make sure that this information does not come to light. So then we enter Hannah. Hannah is team pro takedown Fred, unfortunately, because she gets mi- mixed in with Mitch Kessler. Hannah is the unlikely main player of the show. She is the one that Mitch asked to cor- corroborate with him, but we find out that their experiences are very different. Flashback to episode eight. She attempts to cooperate with Mitch, but tell also tells him she was not happy with what happened and he basically calls her stupid and victim blames her in the middle of the streets of new york then we have a private conversation with hannah and bradley this is the first time that hannah is actually detailing the incident which she has pushed down deep down inside of herself hannah tells bradley that she reported it directly to fred and fred just gave her a new job and currently in this like current timeline he's attempting to silence her by presenting her with a new job and shipping her off to la after the conversation hannah is shaken and claire bradley's assistant finds out that she's overdosed and the news of hannah's death hits the morning show right at right as they're about to go on air bradley storms out alex follows 
Alex has told Hannah's story and now and how Fred is attempting to cover everything up. The women, after much coaxing, agree to do the news, but this is the morning show that no one has ever seen before. And this is where I pass it over to the ending for Christina. To me. So we have Alex Antsy on camera. After we find out about Hannah's OD and suicide, she's like out of control. She looks like she's about to word vomit. Like we don't know what she's gonna do, but we know she's gonna say something. Right? She's like walking in front of the camera. Uh, poor Bradley's like, um, here's the news. <laughs> you see like this blonde hair go back and forth. Yep. So they kind of just like agree on live television that they're just like, uh, Bradley's like, um, are we gonna do this? And Alex's like, yep, we're gonna do the thing. <laughs> So they decide to take Fred down on camera, the owner of the network, which is also, who also protected Mitch, sorry, by giving, which you you said this, but I called it a shut up promotion. Actually, I didn't put a T here. So it says shut up. <laughs> yeah, he silenced her. Twice. So the first time they promoted her to head booker. The second time they promoted her out to LA, basically to like keep her at a job that's more pay which would be like, shut up money, but also remove her from the New York situation entirely. Fred is watching the show as this is happening. He's super frantic. He runs to the studio. The music playing in this scene, when they lock the doors, it made me think of like The Godfather or like those episodes of The Sopranos where like this angelic music is playing in the background and they're like shooting people, like something extremely dramatic is happening over this like intense angelic type of music so the cast and crew tms locks the door they do not let him in he's banging on the door what's his face Corey. Corey. yeah he's in the control room and he's yeah. with the team yeah he's in there and he's like hi hello sorry you can't get in yeah they lock the door on fred so he can't come in and Corey's like i have your job now pal so we see the recently fired EP, Chip Black outside in the open with a look of satisfaction, probably because he beat the crap out of Mitch, who's also seeing this on live television. But we see a look of satisfaction because justice is being served, and that was kind of his goal. But the last shot, we're zooming out of Mitch sitting at his dining room table, which is like a longer table. It's very slow. And the look on his face could say a thousand words. I swear to you, I was like, is he happy? Is he sad? Is he relieved? Because he didn't have to confess. So like, there's all these thoughts that leave the viewer just kind of open. While the justice that he wanted came to light, it didn't necessarily happen the way he intended. So we're hoping that a second season will be able to explain this lasting look, which is the last thing that we see on camera before the credits roll for the 10th and last time. So as far as foreshadowing goes, I really only focused on two pieces here. Chip kind of mentions that his days are numbered from the beginning. And it kind of foreshadows because he ends up getting let go. But also we find out that he was the one who leaked the information to the Times as he's punching Mitch in the face. And the first interview where Bradley and Alex have a conversation where Alex interviews Bradley she tells people they it's like kind of like a tense interview where she asks her about you know her situation where she lost it on camera as a journalist and she has a history of this yada 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 she says to alex people want to hear the news from an honest person and they leave it hanging like you 
And then Alex's like, oh, right. And I thought it was really interesting that that kind of like very, very, very low key foreshadowed the ending because she becomes the truth teller that she mocked Bradley for being. She became the person that America trusts or she's hoping to become the person that America trusts again by also identifying her part in this as well. Yeah. Not just pointing fingers. I agree. I feel like I got so annoyed by every single person in the show because I just wanted to shake them and just be like, tell the truth, communicate, like, what are you doing? Like her with her daughter, I was just like, just just communicate with your daughter. Just tell her the truth. Tell her what's happening. Why, why are you holding everything inside of you? Stop holding everything inside of you. That's then just it wouldn't be drama, Danielle. Sorry. Would have been a couple episodes shorter of a, of a TV series, but that's that's neither here nor there. It probably would have been The Irishman. <laughs> exactly. It's like a three-hour movie. The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. So what did IMDb give it? It's an 8.4 out of 10. So Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 61%. Get out of here. Get out. Get out. But Take a walk. The audience gave it a 93%. The audience is watching it with their eyes open. That's the problem. <laughs> the critics have the two eye patches on. <laughs> I've talked about this with one thing. I forget what it was. And I was like, they definitely walked in there with an eye patch on each eye and sat down and watched it. Yeah, and I said... Other no, otherwise known as a blindfold? No, it's more ridiculous with two eye patches because that's a ridiculous rating. That's ridiculous. This Isn't was it? so good. I know. I liked this better than Big Little Lies. Wow. That's how much I liked wow. this. Wow. I also love Steve Carell, so there's that. I definitely like Big Little Lies more than I like this, but I appreciated this a lot. I, I really liked it. And the two reviews that I found were 9 out of 10 – I thought that they were, they talked about this in a very interesting way. So I'm going to present them. The first one was, is titled, Great Show. One of the weirdest critic I saw was that the show was left-wing propaganda. Well, this is on the opposite, a very balanced show that gives a voice to the men perspective on Me Too and criticizes it, criticizes it very harshly while the main hero is a moderate conservative. This is why the show is good. You get different perspectives and ideas, which I totally forgot. I totally forgot that she's a moderate conservative or a libertarian. I think they call her a libertarian. Yeah. And then the second one, nine out of 10, that's how you do a show on feminism. Complex emotions on all sides, appealing to human nature and not overly preachy, makes you think about cause and effect. The acting is over the top amazing. The performances by every single actor was A+. I agree with all of these because when I was watching it, I feel like you constantly want to like identify who the antagonist is, who the protagonist is, but it really goes into the complexities of what happens in sexual misconduct, what it means, who's afraid to talk, and I thought that they did it in like a very, very good way that really opened up the conversation it didn't politicize the issues i agree what review did you have so this is a five star review 
It says, captivating. I think the characters are well drawn and complicated. The characters seem to truly be a culmination of their environment, nurture, and nature. Watching them learn and grow, make important decisions, and decide what matters is a joy. It's not often I truly enjoy watching characters I don't like very much, and then cheering when they learn a lesson, get what's coming to them. Thank you for complicated TV. I can't do ridiculous any longer. And I <laughs> I appreciate that. I like the thank you for complicated TV. I like that too. I See, but this is what I'm talking about. It's good that you hate a character. Yes. And it's good that you want to hate a character. And it's good that you want to try to like a character, but you just can't. Because that means that, like, they're taking your moral compass and they're just, like, flicking it, right? You can't have a show where you like every character. I like to not like characters. I like when people make me do that because that's good writing. Yeah. You can't have... You can't have it all. You can't have every character be liked because then you're not writing a story. You're not creating problems because everybody's perfect then. One high that I thought about a little bit later was that everybody had a chance to be a good guy and a bad guy. Yep. I'm using guy as a gender neutral term, which it now is. So hello, anybody fight me on that? I'm an English major. Like for example, I'll do the most obvious one, Alex Levy, yeah. right? She brought Bradley on, but she did it to kind of like save her own tushy, yeah. right? Then she told her that it's a good boys club and that she was the only woman surviving it, but she survived it because it was convenient for her, right? Mm -hmm. And if you take Bradley, she's the truth teller, but the truth teller to what extent? Because it's so important that when people are in these situations that they do not express what they need to express until they are ready. So like clearly oh. Hannah wasn't in a position where she was ready to kind of talk about this. Right, so she yeah. pushed far. Then you have Chip, who's classic, like, good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy, all, like, every single person, right? Fred was good to Alex on certain occasions, but then he also wanted to destroy her as much as he wanted to save her. Yeah, right? like, there's a lot of duality to each character. They all love each other and they're a family. Honestly, I was watching this and I was like, this is like Knives Out, but not a comedy because they're technically a family, but each one of them is trying to backstab one another. But also they try to like advocate for one another. It's a very odd sense to it, to each character. That's Shelvin. <laughs> exactly. I can't think off the top of my head of many shows where you have a good guy and a bad guy in almost every single character i want to go into the text message you sent me you finished episode two and you said i don't think mitch kessler did it maybe i'm just seeing him as michael scott but i don't think he did it meanwhile i had just finished episode eight where you find out oh he did it <laughs> and that's why i sent you this he did it and doesn't realize he did it and that's the problem exactly why i didn't think that he did i was like guys this is steve carell it's fine like steve carell would never do this and then i realized it's not steve it's mitch exactly that's <laughs> i sent you the zipped faced emoji because i was not about to delve into that i didn't want to believe it like that was the i i and i couldn't believe that i felt that way because you know like we have these conversations as women with each other and with other women. And it's like, I think it's because I thought Michael Scott. Yeah. You know, I, I thought dinner of sh dinner for schmucks. I thought like all of the good hearted things. And I was like, no, Steve Carell, don't do this to me. Don't break my heart. And it's broken. 
Another text message that you sent me was that you hated Corey. I hate Corey. I love Corey. I think that he's such an interesting character. And but I love to hate him. That's what I'm saying. This character that's so snarky and condescending and two-faced and yep. you don't know his motive. You can only play that for so long. But then like they, I felt like they showed his motive right at the right time. It's yeah. not like, hey, guys, I'm just a mystery for 10 episodes. That's not going to cut it. Like These characters grew with the climax and fell with it in the ending. See, why I liked Corey is, yes, he was very condescending and he definitely had a huge ego, but there were so many opportunities for him to fall into that scuzzy TV exec character, the like stereotypical one, like when Bradley was drunk in the elevator and you're like, oh no, oh no, where is this going? And he winds up not. And he tells her like, you remind me of my mom. She was a tough woman too. And like, he spoke to her and he advocated for her like speaking her mind. It may have like almost imploded her career, but he like he liked that idea. Like he liked to shake things up a bit and they, those two worked to get together. And I just thought he was such an interesting character that he didn't fall in line with your stereotypical thoughts of him. Part of this goes into Reese Witherspoon's acting, which I thought was just amazing. She, of- she was my high. I loved her so much in this. Oh. I found that part of the reason I hated Corey so much was because I bought into everything that Bradley Jackson was. Like, what is his angle? What does he want from her? Mm-hmm. Like, does he want to get, I don't understand what he wants. And then I slowly started to realize that his goal was not to be a sleazeball to get her into bed. His goal was to be a sleazeball because he wanted to turn news into reality television. Yeah. I mean, that was his end game. But also, um, I think that he, one of my highs was when she first came on the air and she mentioned that she had an abortion at 15 and that it caused a big stir it caused a big controversy Corey was totally there for it because it caused that controversy but i liked at the end of that episode bradley saw the effects that her words had and so did alex and it like turned on a little light switch in both of them that like oh i can i'm actually in a platform where i can like attempt to make real change and i liked that a lot that's true i think that there is a little bit of that and of course that's what we see in the end yeah Um, but the other high that i had was the comic relief and this was in the trailer when she when jennifer aniston's character alex goes to see mitch steve carell's character and she's crying and she's like so mad at him for everything and she goes, what happened to your TV? And he goes, we had a disagreement. Oh, and he, of course, you see that he, like, you know, beats his television with, like, what, a bat or a golf club? Or I don't know what it is. Like one of those fire poker things? I don't know. He beats it with something. That was very funny. And so I thought the comic relief was really, really good. It was it was scarce. It wasn't, I don't remember it being, like, in every episode. No, it wasn't. But there were parts of this show that really did make me LOL. Did you have any lows? Okay. I'm just going to name two and I'm going to name them quick. Number one, I hate that when we see people driving in New York City, they are driving super fast. That does not happen. True, it's true. I get it. Like, they're driving around at 3.30 in the morning, maybe late at night. No one drives that fast in New York on a regular, like, day-to-day thing. Like, drive them slower. Just get your B-roll behind you just to go, like, a little bit slower because it looks like they're driving, like, 30 miles per hour. That's not something that happens in Midtown Manhattan. 
often. This is something that bothers me about most TV shows, and I just want to voice it. So there is a scene where Alex Levy is in her apartment, and she has those really great shearling chairs. Did you see those, like, white fluffy chairs that she has in her living room? Yeah. She has her shoes on, and she has her dirty shoes on those chairs. Because she's Alex Levy. Please, for the love of God, TV people, stop making your characters get onto their sofas, their beds, in the middle of sex scenes, with their shoes on. I do not want to see dirty shoes on furniture anymore in TV shows. I see it way too often. I don't know why it bothers me so much. But in my mind, there's just this little thing. I'm just like, that would never happen. Someone just kick off your shoes and just, like, be barefoot. That's so interesting. Actually, it does happen. Dave comes over and he puts his feet on my ottoman and I have to yell at him all the time. Dirty shoes do not belong on furniture. They don't. It's so interesting that it's something like that. That really sets me off for no reason. Yeah. That's a tiny one. Because it's it's just, it's so unrealistic. Like, you don't put your shoes on your bed. Yeah, that's true. I have to have, like, a really bad day. Well, my bed is six feet in the air because I have a loft, so I really don't put shoes in my bed. But I'd have to have, like, a really bad day and just come home and be like... Even if I flop onto my bed at the end of the day and don't like say it's wintertime, I don't take off my coat, my purse is still there, my shoes are still hanging off of my bed because I'm not going to just crawl into bed with my shoes on. That's disgusting. Yeah. I don't know what kind of law you have to hit to do that, to be honest. Especially not- walking around the streets of Manhattan. Those streets are disgusting. So you had told me, because you started watching this before I did, and you are like, so every episode is like 15 minutes to an hour and five. And it's really not because like the first five to 10 minutes of every, no, probably if you tack in the end credits between the recap, that damn intro that goes on forever. I I did not like the intro at all. That was my low, the intro, but between the recap, the intro and the closing credits, it's not, it's like 45 minutes. Per episode depending on depending okay. some of them were a little longer but that intro went on so long and, and then apple tv you guys got to get it together because you didn't ask me if i wanted to keep watching you didn't automatically go into the next episode oh, i had yeah. to get up i had to get up off my couch and you know exit out and then hit the next up hit the arrow button hit the next episode and then make it big again and then connect the hdmi cable because i was watching on my laptop that was connected to my tv yeah like a whole process it was frustrating you should uh, work out the kinks on that yes as we're talking to all of our apple products if our apple customer service reps could uh, make a mental note of that please let's go (laughs) i'm locked at it i gave you the idea so send me a free phone or something It's true. I thought, like, out of all the streaming platforms, I hate to say this, but I think Netflix and Hulu are probably the most convenient. This was annoying. Yeah. To have to do that with every episode. Like, if I'm trying to, I, I wish, actually, I wish that these streaming services had a binge option. Like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to binge television. So then you know to roll into the next episode. Yeah. But if I don't want to binge, I'm pay- you're getting my money. I'm paying for it. Yeah. So. Give me it like maybe I only want to watch one and then it stops. But if I if I go into the app and I'm like in binge mode, then like you know to keep playing things yeah. because I'm gonna watch them. You know? That'd be really cool. That would be cool. You heard it here first that two girls watch TV. Binge option.
snack, snack break. break. What did you have as your snacking? So, Christine and I both binged this. I probably took a little bit longer to watch it than you did. I know yeah. that. I drank lots of coffee while watching this because, I mean, everyone was just guzzling coffee. Like, I thought I drank a lot of coffee. No, these people weren't guzzling it. But I also had some breakfast in the middle of it, so I thought that was a good good thing to share. Start your day, the morning show, eat some breakfast. And let me tell you about what I've been eating for breakfast. Onions, tomatoes, spinach, and eggs. All sautéed together and cooked to perfection. I thought you were going to stop at onions. No, <laughs> onions. I've been eating raw onions. I am now Shrek. Onion, like an apple. I, I didn't really eat. I had... I had a cup of green tea infused with mango and then I had a glass of wine. And if you're a drinker, a nice alcoholic beverage might be good with this show because there are quite a few times where they take a drink. And to me, all of them were justified. Every time they poured themselves like what I think is to be like whiskey or scotch, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, they all drink a lot of hard alcohol. I didn't see a lot of wine. This is true. And I, but I liked the way that like, Bradley Jackson drink she like it's hard for her to swallow like I hate when these people like pour themselves a glass of gin or a glass of like scotch or brandy or whatever it is and they just like drink it like it's nothing like their eyebrows don't even like they don't even blink they just go like this I'm staring at Danielle like without blinking yes this is some great podcast content yeah I know I know I it just it's like it come on it hurts a little bit it's a little bit yeah. painful you're gonna you're gonna a little bit there's a little come bit on. of a burn come on there's always a burn you're never no what were your expectations going into this show all right so I knew it was gonna be about the news I knew that it was gonna have to do with some sort of sexual harassment based on the trailer I didn't know that it was going to be involved with me too. I didn't know they were going to use so many current events like the wildfires in California, like the Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. news stories, like the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God, the entire climax basically started from that moment when they exposed that moment to us. That's Do- like where things start to like stir. Did you feel, because this is how I felt while watching it, I, like, wanted to go back and just start, like, looking up all news articles. I'm like, I want to do some investigation on the Mandalay shooting. Who was this guy? Did they ever figure out why he did all of that? They did not. They didn't. Um, No. Like, part of it is, I think, like, what I wanted to know was the events as to how they were portrayed in front of us. I wanted to know if they were accurate in terms of, like, the order that they were presented. Yeah. But again, this isn't our full-time job, so I didn't have time to research all that content for you. So I, I kind of thought that this was going to be like pre-Me Too. That was like one option that I had. Mm-hmm. And another option that I have was that I thought it was going to be even more of a twist where like Steve Carell's character is maybe innocent or like there's one person who was the problem, but then it just like blew up real quick. He had an issue with one person. Mm-hmm. And it was like taken, I don't want to say taken out of context because that's not right. And like when you talk about these things, I, you know, you should be heard. You should be a truth teller. If you're confident enough and comfortable enough talking about it, I absolutely believe all of that. But yeah. sometimes with these cases, you have people who, how can I put this? I think that 
on paper and the way that we're read about it when celebrities are like ousted in this Me Too movement, I feel like we try to like cut and dry it, put them in boxes. But I, like I said before, like I feel like this covers the complexity of the situation and yeah. the idea that like, okay, this is a television program. This is a like a workplace. You know who your coworkers are. You know what's, you should have an idea of what's happening. Typically isn't just an isolated incident. Is that what you were going for or not really? No. I was thinking that like it was one person and then I can't think of a nicer way to say this. I'm so sorry. I thought like it was about one person and other people just jumped on the bandwagon. Forgive me for a lack of a better way of explaining that, but I thought that maybe the affair, the sexual harassment would have been like one or two people and then other people said other people jumped in to escalate it too quickly. I thought it was going to be a story like that and just how like that kind of ruined somebody's career. I thought it was going to be like that kind of twist where like we totally wouldn't, my brain went to some place where like we totally wouldn't see that coming. I don't know why. I like that that didn't happen. Yeah. Because I hate when that does happen because you have so many people who struggle to come forward with issues like this. And I'm sure we both know people who have situations like this and you know, it's, it's so hard. So like when you do have these people who Again, I'm so sorry, for lack of a better word, jump on the bandwagon. It decredits the entire movement. So I'm happy that they didn't do that because I think it's terrible when people, it makes it difficult for those of us who have something that we need to talk about and we can't talk about it because people are doing things and they're like kind of slandering the credibility of the situation and they're making it more difficult for people to come forward. And it takes, sometimes it takes a lot. Like Hannah, it took her a long time. It, it doesn't always happen right away. So I'm glad that it didn't happen like that. I was afraid that that was going to happen. Well, I feel like the show did a good job of touching on that because you see three different instances that, Mitch was in where he abused his power. He had Ashley Brown, the girl they interviewed, where Bradley pushed her a little bit further and got more of the full story. You see Mia, where you really don't get the full story with Mia. You, she, she says it on the microphone. She says that she's tired of people treating her as like the scornful mistress. And you really don't know if Mitch was the one to initiate that and then Mia went along with it that it leads you to believe that because she knew about the button underneath his desk and then you have hannah's situation so you see like three different instances and how three different people encountered mitch and mia basically told everyone to leave her alone and agreed that it was i guess did she agree it was consensual i'm sure she did she had an affair with him but we really don't know yeah, she said hers was an affair, and then apparently she asked him to leave his wife, and he wouldn't. So she made the complaint. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happened on the microphone. But what I really, I liked how she was just like, hey, this is my situation. This is what happened. Yeah. And somebody who wanted to come forward but was nervous about it, and then you had somebody else, Hannah. And I really liked how they, they took an entire episode to kind of play her situation out. They did it so well, too, because you... It really was, because somebody in that level of power, I'm not sticking up for anybody here, I'm really not, but I I like how they portrayed it, like, at somebody at that level of power, 
sometimes is so ignorant they don't understand that this person is trying to say no but they can't or they don't know how or they tried and it didn't work and now they don't know what else to do Mm -hmm. or they feel like this is what they have to do and I I like that they portrayed it that way where he was he was he was ignorant towards that he didn't know he was like you didn't say no I didn't force you to do anything And, and it's like well if you look at it from that perspective it's like in his world, that seems right. But if you look at her perspective, somebody who's climbing to the top, who looked at him as a role model and wanted to spend more time with him and wanted to mentor him. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I've been in situations where I think to myself, this person is a role model. I want to, or this person is a friend. This person is somebody that I trust. Yeah, they're they're a mentor. I've in a life, but you think of people who are, but not even mentor, just sometimes like friends. And it's like, you don't, no comes in different forms. Mm-hmm. And consent comes in different forms. And it's not always a written agreement. Like we learned in, what was it, Upload, where yes. they speak into each other's body cameras. Like, yeah. I thought that was hilarious because it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Consent and, and the word no come in different forms. And mm-hmm. I understand that, like, it's easier to say those things because then you know for sure. And it's much more difficult to develop your case if you don't say that, but I like how they played it out where it's like, she did try to leave once. Mm-hmm. She tried to steer the conversation away from that. She let him hug him because she thought that it was, oh, we're friends, oh, you're a mentor, oh, you're like a father figure, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. I personally thought it was going to be a comedy, and then as I started watching it, I did not realize it would touch upon this, and it's very reminiscent of what happened with Matt Lauer in the Today Show, if you recall that. Oh, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And after I heard that, I feel like I had a hard time differentiating that story with this because I was trying to like compare the two stories and be like, oh, is Alex Levy like supposed to be Katie Couric or something? But they definitely said steve carell up to be kind of a matt lauer type deal because matt lauer even had a button under his desk to shut the door which only ron swanson should be allowed to have no one else (laughs) (laughs) but i agree with you that i thought it was interesting how they took the me too movement especially like when mitch was talking to martin short's character and he was trying to compare himself to martin short and actually like butted heads with him because he basically said well you're a predator I'm not but then we find out oh no 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 you are but in a very different way he is but Martin Short's character was going after a minor yeah it was interesting to me to see that Mitch was able to make a differentiation and not say like oh yeah like screw that 15 year old so he does have like a little bit of a coming of age realization but it's not enough. I feel like we don't know if he fully had it because we don't know what was going through his mind in that last scene. I mean, throughout all of it, he all he wanted was to clear his name. And when Hannah died, I feel like that's a moment where he finally realized, oh, okay, maybe what I did was wrong to, to have this woman come overdose because of what happened. Or so- he could be in, in denial because that's when him and... um chip went at it 
should be interesting second season to see how these characters develop and see what happens. Did you have an IRL moment? It was only a small one when Corey and Bradley are like walking. Corey says to Bradley, like, let's take a walk. No one walks anymore. And it's so true. Like, everyone's constantly driving in the show. As I mentioned before, everyone gets around the city very, very quickly. Meanwhile, I freaking walk everywhere in the city because trying to drive places or catch an Uber, it's just not plausible. I'm walking or I'm taking the subway or some kind of public transportation. Let's be real here. So my IRL moment, I believe, is in episode two or three when Alex is officially on the morning show. And she says that, you know, they do this thing where she's like, why aren't you in, like, the rehearsal? And she's like, nah, I'm good. I have to come up with a new story. And she's like, I didn't think I'd have to hold your hand. And Bradley's like, sometimes partners hold each other's hands. Right. So then she grabs her hand right before they go on. You might have to bleep me out because I want to quote her directly. And she was like, she whispers in her ear and she's like, just don't fuck this up. (laughs) And then they go on stage. And so probably the last show I did, the last stand-up show I did, I had two sets Mm -hmm. back in September of 2019. So it's been a a while, I'm a little rusty. And I was like, I don't even know if I have enough material to do two sets. And I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody this. I'll just figure it out. More time on stage. And so... I like thanks them over and over again. I thank my friend for, you know, giving me the extra set. I think I I don't think that they wanted to. I think like another comic dropped out and they were like, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna do this because I don't think anybody else wants to and I was like, That's fine. So I was like, Thank you so much for the opportunity and she was like, Mm-hmm. Just don't fuck it up. <laughs> I was like, I haven't done a show so long. I had to do two sets. I've never done two sets before the immense amount of pressure and it was as soon as she said that I was like oh my god this reminds me of the last show that I did that's crazy <laughs> that's funny how did you do at that show that was good my mom actually came to that show oh so you she's a loud laugher so you're good with that one no, well you know she has she, her fits yeah well I've made fun of her oh well okay so she wasn't very happy about that one I don't know. I think she just kind of sat there and she was like, all right, I guess I just have to take it. I can't yell at my daughter on stage. I was like, listen, don't, don't do that. Leave the thank you. Don't do that. Before we close out, I want to say I'm shocked that you did not bring up anything about the costume. I thought they were okay. I didn't think that they were anything earth shattering. Like the gown jumpsuit that was strapless that she wore to accept her award. With the, with the matching coat. That was very nice. I will, I will say that. But I feel like it didn't get my creative juices flowing. They were good, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't anything, like, earth-shattering. And they just kind of dressed them like you expect them to dress. It's not like you're emoting a mood based on this or... That's what I like. That's what really gets me excited, when they throw in details with the clothing. Fair enough. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is over. So, please... Like the podcast, review the podcast, rate the podcast. We would love you to do that. You can follow us on Instagram at Hey It's Two Girls and Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Dina. You can follow Danielle on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. Send us an email. Tell us things. We will review your comments on our podcast or our YouTube channel. So send us an email at twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. That's T-W-O spelled out. 
You can check out the blog at beercoffeedonuts.wordpress.com. And please, please, please check out our YouTube channel, Two Girls Drink Beer. We just finished our Sufferfest variety pack, and we are moving steadily in to pack i'm very sorry to to everyone listening to that with their headphones on uh, our very terrible drumming out of sync i apologize it's okay it could be worse it could be so that's it that's it this monday is officially over let's go relax a little bit all right everyone bye and enjoy your week What's up?